If you have your scriptures, you can look for it in Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have your scripture, actually, if you go back to in the second page, third page of our bulletin, of our worship guide, the scriptures are there. So you can follow as I read them. And I'm going to ask you to, to put your phone away, put your toys away, because this is the one time a week that God allows us to listen to God's word, to reflect on God's word, and, and to do it back and forth. Now, we're still doing it where I'm the only one talking. I hope that when I do the, Sunday, the Saturday night worship, it will be more of a conversation as I'm getting trained in what's called implicatory preaching. Ask me about that later on. But um, it will be more of a conversation. But right now it is a teaching, and I would like to share with you the word of God. So if you would be so kind as to listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement or joy... He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough, mo- enough money to buy the field. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. The word of the Lord. I started sharing with you this month a, a short series on the parables of Jesus. Uh, in Sunday school, before the service, and in Sunday school, after the service, I am teaching a class that's called Modern Day Parables. And in today's Modern Day Parable, we actually studied what's called the parable of the wall, which is not in Scripture because it's a modern day parable. It was written in 77 by Gloria J. Evans. She's a Presbyterian chaplain. And uh, she wrote, it's a little caricature book, but it's an amazing book about spiritual transformation. How many of you were in that class this morning? Let me see your hands. Very good. There was that group in that class. Uh, And and it's not typical Sunday school, is it? I just, I didn't see, I didn't hear you. Because we're shifting Sunday school, at least for my class, from just giving information and information dumping to spiritual formation. That's why Jesus shared the parables. It wasn't just for information. It was so that we would begin to understand the dynamics of the kingdom of God, so that we would begin to understand how God works and deals with us, so that we will begin to understand how the kingdom of God functions and how we can function within that kingdom of God Versus the kingdom of the world. In the, past, uh, in the past parable, last week I shared with you two stories or two parables of light. And interestingly enough, I, I have done this backwards. Uh, today I'm sharing the parables of the treasure and the pearl. Last week we talked about the parable of the lamp. But those two parables follow immediately what the church or the Bible calls the parable of the sower. So what Jesus is doing when he narrates, when he tells the parable of the, of the, the, parable of the sower, he's actually trying to explain 
the parable, uh, the parable of the sower with the parable of the lamb and the parable of the treasure. <laughs> so he's explaining a parable with two other parables, actually with four other parables. And it's kind of confusing for the disciples. So he ends up explaining the first parable of the sower. That we'll do next week. Okay? But today, we'll deal with the parable. Actually, is it the parable of the sower or the parable of the soil? Hmm. Wonder about that this following week. Because the main character in the story is not the sower. It tends to be more the soil, which is actually the hearts. So I wonder if a better name would be the parable of the hearts. Think about that. In the meantime, the pearl of the, of the lamps taught us last week to the disciples of Jesus Christ that when, you, when the word is being taught, when Jesus is teaching, pay special attention. It is not Ted Koppel, he died, no. It is not, no, it is not the guys from here, Jovita, who's teaching. Who's, it is God who's teaching. So you disciples of Jesus Christ, whenever you hear a teaching from God, make sure you pay special attention. The other parable was for those who were not disciples, who were always fighting and arguing with Jesus. They thought they had the light. And he warns them and tells them, make sure that the light you think you have in you is the light of God. So pay special attention. Today, I want to share with you the story about the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. Now, before I share this story, in, in, in the 1800s, when England was really colonizing all of Africa. My African friends can identify with that. They were going all over the place, and there was this uh, uh, geologist called Dr. Williamson. And Dr. Williamson was traveling through Tanzania. And Tanzania, they were experiencing the rains. It was the rainy season. And the guy is going in his old jalopy, you know, slipping and sliding throughout the, the, the roads in Tanzania as they are wet. And suddenly he just sinks in a mud pile. He has to stop. He gets off the, 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 what is this called? The shovel, right? He gets off the shovel and he starts kind of getting the mud out of the tires. And he keeps removing the mud out of the tires. But it's raining. So as he's moving mud out of the tires, guess what's happening? More water with mud is falling in. So he decides to speed up the process and kind of win the rain and catch ahead of the rain. And he goes fiercely just shoveling and shoveling. When he hits something, rock, and, and he can't move it. So he found something down there. He's a geologist. So, okay, it's another rock. Let me just, but when he, the rain is falling on the rock, he's seeing the reflection. What kind of rock is this? So as the rain keeps falling down, the, reflect, he sees the reflection is kind of pink. And he digs in and he actually brings out what today we know as the famous pink diamond of Tanzania, which basically sits in the scepter of Queen Elizabeth II these days. An amazing treasure found by accident. In scriptures today, our two stories talk about individuals who actually found something. And what they found, they considered it to be of such amazing value, of such amazing worth, of such amazing significance that they both decide to sell everything they have to own it. Hmm. How many of you have ever found a treasure? None of you? 
None of you have ever found a treasure? A treasure. Valuable treasure. I lived in the Caribbean when I was a kid. And we lived with the stories of the pirates. And every kid in the Caribbean is always looking for treasures. We have that habit down there. The British just used to lay it around anywhere. <laughs> the French didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and the Dutch, we just leave it behind. So we look for treasures. Now, in the story that we're having in Scripture, the first story about the hidden treasure, we have a man who's actually, uh, this is a story that's amazing because it, it wasn't unusual for you to find a treasure in first century Palestine. No, it was not unusual. So when Jesus is telling the story that this man who was in the field, he found a treasure, they are listening to something that happens often. Remember, back then there were no banks. Mattresses were not as thick as they are now. So it was common, particularly in Palestine, where there were so many wars, so many kingdoms wanting to take over that area, which is very demanding in terms of geography. They knew that there was a war coming down. They would take the treasures, bury them. If you survive, oops, sorry. If you survive, I didn't know that was there. I thought it was here. It's here now. If you survive, you knew where your treasure was. But if the, if the warlords that came over that land, you didn't make it, and none of your family made it, guess what? No one knew where you had buried your treasures. So it was very common for individuals to find treasures in that area of the world. So Jesus was talking about something that could have happened. See? The, the, the issue was, uh, for example, is that the treasures were buried. Now, it wasn't uncommon. It was so common that in Matthew 25, Jesus is telling the story of the talents. Remember the story of the talents? And he gives his one so much talents, and he gives the other one so much talents. And what does the third one do? He's afraid, and what does he do? He buries the treasure. So it was common. It was a common practice to bury the treasures. How many of you have that practice right now? Let me see your hands. Any of you bury your treasure in the back lawn, backyard? Thank you, Suzanne. I'll be there tonight. <laughs> I thought I had it. <laughs> I thought I had it. I thought I had you in. <laughs> but I didn't. Very good. None, very few people raise their hands. Now, a concern arises when, we're, when we read this story because the man who's in the field found a treasure in a field that does not belong to him. But guess what? That wasn't the issue. The, big, the issue was that in those days, it was so common for individuals to find treasures that they, today we would find it a little bit odd, right? I go to, let's say that Paula is going to sell her house. I'm going to go there, and I'm looking at the house, and I'm curious, and I see this little panel, and I look behind it, and I see, <gasps> where's Paulette? And I take it. Does the story sound like that to you, ethically speaking? The guy was at a field. He found a treasure, and he bought it. He didn't tell the owner of the field what was there. Well, guess what? He was okay. Because first century law actually said, listen to this, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. 
That's what it was. First century Jewish law allowed you, if you found something in a property that doesn't belong to you, but the owner doesn't know that's there, finder's keeper, loser's weeper. So the guy was actually very, very honest. He could have found the treasure, taken it, and never buy the land. He was very honest. He reburied the treasure. He sold everything he had, and he bought the acre, if it was an acre. Amazing, huh? He discovered something that appealed to him to such a degree that he was willing to give it all up. But let's not lose the point. The point is the fact that this, that this man actually sold everything he had to buy that new plot of land because he found a treasure. Interestingly enough, he didn't offer to buy the treasure because it might have been too much. I think the plot was cheaper with a secret. Then it became valuable. In the second story of the great pearl, we see again, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a merchant who is looking around for the best pearl. And when he discovers this amazing pearl of great value, he sells everything he owned to buy it for himself, some other translations suggest. Pearls. A merchant. Now, this is a professional. The word here that's used in the original is the word emporos. How many of you have been to an emporium? That's where the word comes out. A merchant. An emporium had a little bit of everything. And that's where the word comes from the Greek. The merchant is the emporos, and they put an emporium in the agora, which was the mall in the first century. So this guy is a businessman. He knows what he's looking for. He is looking for a pearl of great choice. He knows how to evaluate pearls. Now, did you know that pearls in the first century were considered like diamonds are considered today? They were expensive. They were so difficult to get. Actually, you can find one pearl in every 1,000 oysters. So how many oysters did the man who basically bound a rope around themselves and would take a 30-pound rock and throw it in the 40, over 40 feet deep, because that's where they live, those things. Go down there. Hopefully, they won't drown. And after turning over 1,000 oysters, they find one pearl. Gee, that's a very hopeful job, isn't it? Yet this man didn't do that. He went around in wholesale. He was looking around what the wholesalers had, suddenly he found one. Now, pearls, again, were of great price at that time. They used to be worshipped. If you look in the Egyptian pantheon, pearls were worshipped. The Romans used to also worship pearls, and they used to brag about having them. That's why the Roman women would wear a lot of pearls in their hair, because it signified their status. Actually, talking about status, it was known that the rich Romans would dissolve the pearls in vinegar. I can dissolve pearls in vinegar. I have so much money. I can dissolve pearls in vinegar, pour the, the potion over wine, and I'm drinking my pearls with wine. Almost like somebody today would light up a cigar with a $100 bill. That kind of ostentosity. So that was happening in the first century. So pearls were extremely valuable. 
And this man runs across one of them. Just one of them that he considered to be so priceless that he sold everything he had. Now, talking about gems of precious, I have a few little rocks around here. Very tiny, itsy bitsy teeny. Sand size, right? And, and, and I consider it, you know, it's insured and everything. And just because I lost the first one. <laughs> and this was my wife's gift. So, so I miss it. I bought me one. <laughs> she knew about it. <laughs> so, but I take it to get insured, you know, to get inspected. How many of you have gems? That, now, you know, every one of those gems, they come out very rough. Every single diamond, ruby, uh, emerald, uh-huh, all of them, they have to be worked on. They have to be crafted. They have to be polished. They have to be cleaned and purified, except the pearl. Actually, if you take a knife or something sharp to a pearl, ruined. Because it is made perfect. And this guy found this one. He found that one that he was not about to give up. He actually found such a wonderful gift, such a wonderful pearl, that he was willing to give it all up for that one pearl. Give it all up. The Bible also chimes in the valley of pearls, saying that the, that the good news is, is like pearls that should not be thrown to the swines, to people who will not receive the good news. It also reminds us that in, in the book of Revelations, that the, that the gates in which we're going to go through in the kingdom are pearly gates. Obviously, something considered of immense value in the times of Jesus. But again, the point is that they found something so valuable, both of these men, that they gave it all up. So I'm wondering, what is it with these stories that compels people? It is the discovery of something that they have been looking for, perhaps. Actually, one of them found it by accident. But you see, both of these stories have found the priceless nature of the kingdom of God. Now, if you're a consumer, how many of you here are consumers? I hope everybody raises their hand because whether we like it or not, society turns us into consumers because we're always saying, I want to get. That's like our hope in life. Our main activity in life is getting something. Actually, it has become to such a situation in our country that one of the fast-growing industries is what? Warehousing. You want to make some money? Get a space and put a whole bunch of warehouses and it will fill up like that because we buy so much stuff that we can't even keep it in our homes. And you know that. I'm pointing at Jennifer who works in, in housing and, 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 and rentals and things like that. So they know how many junk people keep. I mean, downsizing now. How many of you are downsizing? Ah, uh, yeah, very good. <laughs> we need to. <laughs> See, but it's something that's so precious. Even in the book of Daniel, when, when, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, can I say that right? King Nabu. <laughs> King Nabu had the vision of the, all the principalities. They saw the Syrian, the Babylonian kingdom. They saw the Roman kingdom. And in that prophecy, Daniel says, it is the time where the Roman kingdom, where the kingdom of God will be ushered. The times of the Romans. The time where Jesus was born. The first century. 
So it is such a priceless kingdom. It is such a priceless gift that God is giving us that God even planned it far ahead for us to receive that kingdom. So promise even before Jesus came. It is a costly kingdom. It cost Jesus his life. What is it costing you? Does the kingdom of God cost something for you? Let me see. Well, let's clarify this. Good question. Let's clarify this. You see, salvation is free. Okay? God's saving grace to you, you don't do anything. But to grow in the kingdom, to mature spiritually, to move into the victorious life and grab the abundant life that Jesus offers, you have to work at it. Otherwise, you become a religious Christian instead of a spiritual, spiritually formed believer. And we have too many religious Christians in this country. Uh-oh. You see, the kingdom of God is the agency, is the environment that God is preparing so that you and I can change. It is the church of God. It is the spiritual home of all of us. Christ is the head. We are the body. This is the kingdom. The kingdom of God, ultimately, as you see your darkness, you will discover your light. In the kingdom of God, you're not supposed to become a bench warmer. You are supposed to grow spiritually. Therefore, every Sunday you should come to church and try to learn something because we don't know at all. I can be in church my whole life and I hope I still have the attitude that God can still teach me something. Because when I have the attitude that I can't learn anything new, then you're wasting your time here. These two individuals also found out that there was a variety of ways of encountering the kingdom. God is graceful. God's salvation comes to us from God, God's self, puts it in your heart. We saw it in the parable of the wall, how the divine presence just perked inside the person who was experiencing the loneliness, like a child in her womb. It was God's presence in that story. I think that's why I thought it was a woman, too. So, in the story... The guy who's, who's in the field, he kind of stumbles into the kingdom of God. He's not looking for that treasure, is he? He's just maybe plowing, he's working, I don't know. He finds by accident the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever found by accident a blessing of God? Yeah. Who knew? Oh, wow. Yet the other one, the emporos, the merchant, he was actively seeking. He was actively looking for. He was actually act, actually, and actively researching, finding something special. Something perhaps that may have changed his life, which it did, because he sold it all for that one. Then something else that I found is that in the kingdom of life, both of them, whether you find, whether you stumble yourself into the kingdom, or whether you actually search and you're invited and God brings you into the kingdom, it requires sacrifice, it requires commitment. In both of their stories, they gave it all. Did they give the tithe? What percentage did they lose? What did they lose? Huh? Both stories, both guys lost. They gave it all up. They gave it all up. Do you get it? They gave it all up. This reminds me of Paul. This reminds me of Paul. I'll get there later. It's there. 
And lastly, the kingdom of God, when it comes to us, it is sacrificial. It requires commitment. It requires sweating it out. But guess what? It is the only place that we can actually find true peace and true joy. And when we're talking about peace, it's not the absence of conflict, but the strength to confront conflict and be victorious over it and confident that with that victory, there is joy. Because my dear ladies and my dear brothers, while it may be dark at night, while, I may be, while it may be dreary in that night, joy comes in the morning, as the psalmist reminds us. So this morning, as we try to search Search, look, and you shall find. Reminds me of Paul. Paul, who was everything to everyone. Who was actually, if we were today to give him, to give Paul, the, the writer of all those books in the New Testament, some kind of degree, he would probably have three PhDs. In philosophy, history, and theology. A man who knew how to live the aristocratic aristocratic life, who knew how to live in well, because he was a good moneymaker, who had several homes, who had the privilege of going to universities in those days, who was a Pharisee of Pharisee, highly educated, and he says, I once thought these things were valuable. My ego, my defense, my fears were valuable. I once thought my education was valuable. I once thought my career was valuable. I once thought that who I am, who I forced people to believe in me, was valuable. I once thought that my pretentiousness was very valuable. But now I consider them all worthless. The original word in the Greek I cannot say in church. Dudu. I consider it all trash, he says, when compared with infinity value, when compared with the immense value of life with God. Because it is Jesus Christ who is God's showing revelation to you and me. Isn't that amazing? how it all comes around. So this morning I ask you, it's not about you and me. It's about Jesus. It's not about my life with money or without money. It's about a new life in the kingdom. It's not about what I can get out of the church or what the church can get out of me. But it is about how I sacrifice my life for God and how I commit my life to the Lord. It is about eternal presence of joy. My dear sister, my dear brother, listen to this. It's about a priceless kingdom. Do you see the value? If you don't see the value of the kingdom, come talk to me. Because all I have to do is ask you to pray, Lord, show me me. Hmm? 
show Edwin. Edwin. And then I can see the value of the kingdom because Edwin is very needy. Edwin is cracked like the soil out there without water. And Edwin needs the waters that refresh as Edwin seeks the kingdom. Will you join me? Let us then sing this wonderful song. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen.